It's getting hot, and you have to wear your mask, and you have to wear sunscreen, and you have to worry about hand sanitizer, and you have to worry about your hands being dry from using the hand sanitizer so much. These are a lot of concerns, but uh, rest assured, we have an expert with us to tell us exactly what to do and how to take care of our skin during this pandemic and also during summertime. I think she's probably Jasmine's in mind one of our all-time favorite guests. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. So we've got Dr. Emily Kymig with us. She's a dermatologist at Northwestern Memorial Hospital. She's also the chief of the Division of Medical Dermatology and assistant professor of dermatology at UFSM, which tells you she knows her stuff. Hi, Doc. How are you? I'm good. How are you, G? Thanks for having me. Oh, doing so well. My goodness. Can I tell you, we didn't have a la- enough time the last time you were on the show. And I was so busy scribbling down all the products you were telling us to buy because it was all affordable and just stuff you could find at the drugstore. Yeah, I think that's the best part about, um, you know, being a dermatologist is that I have kind of that insider knowledge. You know, they always say dermatologists recommended, and here I am. And I can happily say that I've test-driven a lot of these products myself or <laughs> used my family members as guinea pigs. Well, I wanted to ask you, just off the bat, is there anything that you've seen any clinical trends of? Like, because obviously you're working throughout this. Is there something that you we need to be alerted to right now? You know, I think the big thing right now is that it's summertime. Mm-hmm. And we're all so focused on hand sanitizing and wearing our masks. Um, and those are things we definitely have to do and we'll, we'll, I'm sure we can talk about later. But one of the biggest things that people are kind of forgetting about is the importance of sunscreen. You know, we finally have some nice weather. The lakefront is finally open, as is the 606. The zoo is opening. We're finally getting back <laughs> outside. And we've all been so focused on this quarantine and coronavirus, and rightfully so, that a lot of us are forgetting to wear our sunscreens. I'm seeing it in my daily practice when I'm seeing patients and doing skin checks. And literally before I even am fully in the room, the patient, will, my patients will often say, I'm so sorry, I have a sunburn. It's like before <laughs> I can even get in the room. So I think one of the trends that I'm seeing right now is that people are actually forgetting the importance of wearing sunscreen. We've been cooped up all winter. We kind of forget these things. By the way, um, Dr. Emily, I love the fact that you also know about everything that's opening up because you're a working mom. So you're like, yes, the zoo is <laughs> finally opening up. I can take the kids. Finally, I'll tell you, I was on that reservation system like the day it opened up. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk a little bit about sunscreen. Uh, It's very confusing because there's different types of sunscreen. Do you want to give us a primer and then some recommendations? Absolutely. So I think the biggest thing that I recommend for sunscreens is that you want to make sure that they're what we call broad spectrum. So that means that they block ultraviolet A or UVA and ultraviolet B or UVB rays. And the quick and dirty way that I remember this, and I tell my patients to remember this, is that UVA, those rays actually can cause wrinkles and aging. So we definitely don't want that. Um, And then UVB are the rays that cause burning or sunburn. So it's really quick, easy. A is for aging and UVB for burning. So you want to make sure that you have a sunscreen that has both of those products in there because that's what's coming from the sun. Um, the other thing to consider is that, you know, I often get asked what sunscreens I recommend and I'm happy to share some of my favorites, but in all seriousness, my favorite sunscreen for a patient is the one they're going to use. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of patients um, may have oily skin and so in those situations you want to pick either a gel or perhaps even a um, an oil-free product, right? So you're not adding any heaviness or oiliness. Um, and so you really want to be, you know, cautious, not cautious with what you pick, but, you know, pick what, what makes sense for you. Um, 
I also tell patients it's important to put it on to dry skin 15 minutes before you go out in the sun and that you have to reapply it. So even though that sunscreen says water-resistant and sweat-resistant, they aren't sweat-proof or waterproof. In fact, they had to take that labeling off of the products um, because there wasn't anything that truly was waterproof. So if you're in the water, certainly you have to reapply the, the sunscreen after a couple of hours. But even when you're not swimming and you're not sweating, you're just kind of hanging out and walking around, the sunscreen wears off, and so you do still have to reapply it. So I recommend reapplying, yeah, so I recommend reapplying every 90 to 120 minutes, more if you're more physically active or have been in the water. Um, And so those are kind of my my quick and easy things that I tell people. And the other thing that gets people in trouble is they don't use enough of it. So I have some of my friends that they'll be putting their sunscreen (laughs) on, and they take this little tiny bit, and they try to spread it over their whole arm, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, that is not enough. Did you know that to cover your whole body, it's best to use a shot glass, so about one ounce. So the amount what? of sunscreen that you need, yes, that you need to, please don't drink it. That's my disclaimer. <laughs> um, but you need as it, you need about an ounce of sunscreen, and that's about what's in the shot glass. So that's kind of a quick way to kind of get an idea of, am I using enough of this, right? So to cover your whole body, a shot glass, um, and then reapply it every couple of hours. Well, doctor, here's the problem. When I use the sunscreen, it's, you know, if it's not tinted sunscreen, by the way, that's an, a whole other question, but um, it's hard to get it rubbed in and then it's like you got white streaks kind of, you know, so that's why you like to use a very tiny amount. Yeah, so that's because some of the sunscreens contain uh, physical blockers called titanium dioxide and zinc oxide. So we all remember, well, I may be dating myself, but we all remember the lifeguards with Mm -hmm. the white noses, right? Mm -hmm. So that's zinc oxide, and that's a physical blocker, which means that it sits on top of the skin like a shield and reflects the sun off. Now, sometimes those particles are a little bit larger in size, and so when you're rubbing them in, they'll leave that kind of white coating or look to them. Now a lot of the products that contain the titanium oxide, dioxide and zinc oxide, the, pro- the particles are a lot smaller, so you don't get as much of that chalky residue per se. If you have trouble with that, um, there are some products like Neutrogena Ultra Sheer that mm-hmm. tend to not have that chalky appearance to them. They're, you still get the great sun protection, but they don't have that thickness to them. So again, it becomes this kind of battle of, of trying things out, um, seeing if you can get a little sample of it or just, you know, taking a squirt of it at the, mm-hmm. at the store and rubbing it on your arm and seeing, seeing how it goes. But it's usually the titanium dioxide and zinc oxide that's causing that chalkiness. The other thing I recommend for patients in that scenario is the sunscreen sprays. Um, so that's a nice option because they tend not to leave that residue, but you do have to remember you still have to blend it in, okay? Ooh. So, yeah, remember I said earlier dermatologist tested, mm-hmm. I got a, a big Z on my chest because I didn't. I just sprayed it and went out the door. So oh not a goodness. good look, not good for business, but just, you know, again, tips. tips. You're, you see, listen, you are actually sacrificing your body for I research am. for your patients. So we are very grateful for that. I am here for my patients. I wanted to ask, so, you know, with that sunscreen spray, are those just as effective as, you know, doing the lotion and rubbing it in? But as you said, only if we rub it, rub it in after we spray ourselves. Yeah. So there 
aren't the same um, studies that have been done on the um, efficacy of the sprays. They still give you protection, um, but you do have to use a little bit more of them and spread them in. Um, ones that I happen to like, um, Neutrogena makes one called called um, Ultra Sheer, and it's an ultra fine mist. Um, I like that one, but you have to use a fair amount of it because that mist is very fine. Um, I have found that the Copper Tone Sport um, and Banana Boat um, and Copper Tone for Kids and Banana Boat for Kids, um, that spray is much more forceful. I mean, it's it, it comes <laughs> out like a so you can really tell where you get it, um, and then you can blend it in a little bit. Um, the other thing, that, another tip that I tell patients when you're using these sprays, if you're using them inside the house, um, make sure you're standing, if you're in your bathroom, that you're standing on a towel because it has kind of an oily residue and it can make that floor really, really slippery. So just be kind of mindful of that. Good to know. The last thing we want to do is uh, fall or sprain an ankle or something like that. Yeah. Um, so tell us, uh, the fact that we're all wearing the masks right now, do we need to have sunscreen under the mask or like, will the mask rub off the sunscreen like on our face? Like, what do we need to watch out for? Like rub off the sunscreen on our nose and then we take yeah. the mask off? Great question. So yes, it will. So that kind of friction and that rubbing from the mask, just a physical, mechanical action of friction is going to rub the sunscreen off. And then also that moisture that kind of builds up can rub that sunscreen off. So it's really important to put the sunscreen on all over. If you've been wearing the mask for a prolonged period of time, you know, a couple hours, or in my case, I wear it, I literally wear it all day. Um, I'll take some sunscreen to work with me. And if I go for a walk at lunch, I'll put a little bit more on. Oh, my goodness. Um, Yes, that's why we thank you, all of the health professionals, because you're having to wear that mask all day, too. Okay, Um, it's worth it. Yeah. And of course, um, you talked a little bit last time sort of about, um, you know, how to take care of our face from wearing the mask. I mean, are you worried about it? Extra worried with summer and it being so hot, too? Some patients with that mechanical, you know, just kind of the mask pressed up against the face can cause a little bit of worsening breakouts and acne. You know, nothing dangerous, but definitely, you know, not not something that we want to have happening under that mask. Um, so it's important to use oil-free products on mm-hmm. the face, um, especially if you tend to have acne-prone skin. Um, and you can use, you know, a lot of my patients say, well, I have this whole regimen. I, I wash, I use a toner, then I use a serum, then I use a moisturizer, then I put my sunscreen on and then I put my makeup on. And that's fine. Um, it seems like a lot of work to me, but if that's what, you know, if that w- that's what works, then I think that's fantastic. One thing that you can do is look for a daily moisturizer that actually has the sunscreen built right into it. And there's a lot of really great products on the, on the market, um, some that are available over the counter. So Neutrogena Healthy Defense, um, they have one with Helioplex that has an SPF of 50. What that's is one Helioplex? That I, use. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I use it every day. That's SPF of 50, even when I'm indoors, Mm -hmm. um, or it's a cloudy day because the sun gets through the clouds, 80% of the rays get through. Um, So Neutrogena um, Healthy Defense. I also like Olay Complete. That's a really nice product, a little bottle with a yellow cap on it. Um, I've bought that one several times. And I also like Aveeno Positively Radiant. But again, I think the key here is that you look for key things, you know, UVA, UVB, SPF of 30 or higher, oil-free, and then find one that you like and find one that makes sense in your regimen. And you put it on, and then you can put your makeup right on top of it and put the mask on, and you're good to go. Okay. Well, coming up, we're going to talk to Dr. Emily Kymig about why she recommends 30 or higher in SPF. And also, we're going to talk about something called a melasma mustache, which I think I've... I've 
I know what that is, but I never knew that that was the official term for it. So all of that um, with our favorite dermatologist from Northwestern Memorial Hospital. And she's also the chief of the Division of Medical Dermatology. More with Dr. Kaima coming up. We have dermatologist Dr. Emily Kymig with us from Northwestern Memorial Hospital. And uh, so, Doc, why do you say 30 SPF or higher, and why do we need to wear SPF even indoors? Yeah, so, you know, the SPF 30 or higher is really you get probably about 97% blockage of the sun's rays. And so that's kind of a good marker, right? So the difference between 0 and 30 is huge, right? So no sunscreen, 0%, you know, coverage. Got it. 30 as, you know, 97%. And then as you go above that, it kind of tapers off a little bit. So you heard me mention earlier that I wear an SPF of 50. I'm really fair. In fact, I'm getting a sunburn just thinking about the sun. (laughs) And so I need that 50, right? And I also have... Have patients who have a history of skin cancer yeah. or who have medical conditions that their medical condition gets worse with sun exposure and they you know every little bit counts for those patients so those are the patients that I'm really pushing the 50 the 100 you know the 100 plus sunscreens but I think 30 is a good marker 15 still better than nothing but I really try to look for a 30 or higher and this is something that men need to think about too because sometimes they're not into their skin care yeah, they definitely do. Um, I've worked on my husband. He's now a believer. Um, mm-hmm. And so he wears sunscreen. Um, you know, again, it's finding one that meets their needs, right? Mm-hmm. So one that's not too greasy, one that's easy to use, one that they can reapply. And then the other thing that I tell, for, that I talk to a lot of my male patients about is the importance is don't forget the scalp, right? So some men have thinning of the hair, and it's important to either make sure you're wearing a hat, and I prefer a wide brim hat because a baseball cap leaves your ears out, um, or just putting some sunscreen. And for hair-bearing areas, like on the scalp, that's where the sprays, I think, are really, really helpful. Uh-huh. So they're a little greasy, but they're clear, right? So they won't, you won't see them as much. And when do you know that you need to go see, you know, we all worry about skin cancer, you know, skin mm-hmm. cancer doesn't discriminate. Uh, when do we need to go in and actually see a dermatologist if we notice something on our skin? you notice a spot that doesn't look like the rest of your spots or something that's changing, um, such as a mole that's suddenly gotten darker or changed colors or gotten bigger or spots that are, you know, constantly like a little scab, you know, where you're like, hmm, I don't remember actually cutting myself there. And that scab has been there for about three months. Um, Pimples that don't heal, insect bites that don't heal. If it's from trauma, you know, like a bite Mm -hmm. or a pimple, it should really be gone in about four to six weeks, you know. So anything that's sticking around a lot longer and doesn't look like the rest of your spots, I think that's something that you should really look to see a board-certified dermatologist for, or at at least check in with your primary care doctor for a referral. Um, And patients in general, um, I do recommend skin checks for patients who have a family history. So patients who have a strong family history of melanoma um, or certain other types of cancer, including pancreatic cancer, um, we definitely want to see all first-degree relatives for an annual skin check um, because we know that about 25% of the time those can be um, genetically linked, right? So not the majority of patients, but enough where I say you need a skin Mm -hmm. check once a year. And then I also recommend skin checks for any of my patients who've had blistering sunburns um, because that increases your risk of skin cancer and any patient who has used tanning beds. Tanning beds are a really huge problem. Um, They 
definitely increase the risk of skin cancer, in particular melanoma, by up to 60%, and the risk goes up with every time you go to the tanning bed. Um, in addition to melanoma, we see increased risk of basal cell carcinoma, which is the most common type of skin cancer, and squamous cell carcinoma, which is number two. So, you know, if you have a strong family history, if you've had tanning bed exposures or lots of sunbathing exposure, you were a lifeguard, you know, or spent a lot of time on a boat, um, those are all risk factors that I would say you should have a skin check once a year. Okay. So I was, that was exactly what I was going to ask you, like who actually needs to come in and see you on a regular basis? So that's yeah. it. Okay. And it never hurts, you know, if you have a dermatologist to ask your dermatologist, say, you know, do you think I need a baseline skin check or should I have a skin check every year, every couple of years, or even reach out to your primary care physician. They'll be able to talk to you about your individual risk factors and whether that's something that you should have as part of your health maintenance. Well, um, Dr. Emily, we I think we've got a listener call on the Team Hochberg phone line, but I think it's a product call, so I don't know if you'll know the answer per se. But hi, Carl, go ahead with your question for uh, Dr. Kaimig. Yeah, hi, G. Hi, uh, doctor. Uh, there's, it's not for me. I want to make that clear. Okay. Uh, <laughs> my, my gal pal uh, likes L'Oreal Vitalift, and there's a night and a day version. And I know it's in the day version, there's two different versions. They're both exactly alike, except one has SPF whatever number that I forgot. So which one would you recommend? So it depends. L'Oreal has great products. Um, that's a great question. Um, it can be a little overwhelming when you see all these products, but L'Oreal has great products. I've used them myself. Um, in general, if they have the SPF in them, I recommend using those during the day. Now, oftentimes they'll have a um, like a partner product, you know, so a pair um, that you can use at night that doesn't have the sunscreen. So they'll probably be almost identical. I'd have to look at the actual ingredient list, but in general, a lot of these companies, Olay, L'Oreal, Estee Lauder, you know, pick your brand, um, a lot of them will have a daytime product that has the SPF in it, and then they'll have a nighttime product that's pretty comparable without the sunscreen, and the nighttime one may have something called retinol, which is an anti-aging vitamin A type of molecule. I hope that answers your question. I'd have to, I can go back and look um, and see specifically, but usually there's a pairing there. Well, Carl, yeah, I... there's a there's a night version and there mm-hmm. there is a day version. But in the day version, doctor, uh, two same products, but one has the right. sunscreen, one does not. Though. Yeah, I think Carl, so, she should wear the. Uh, so your gal pal, who you're calling in for, she should wear the uh, the the SPF one during the day when she's out in the sun, and then I bet the one at night is going to help with the wrinkles and everything. I think that's what the doctor was saying. So I'm with you on that, G. I really. How am. nice of you to call in and get that clarified. Thank you, ma'am. Wow. Your gal pal's... Yeah, your gal pal's lucky. Thanks, Carl. Okay. Thanks. (laughs) Bye-bye. Okay. Um, But you know what, Doc? Is there any issue with wearing sort of SPF at night? Like, let's say you ran out. There's no problem. Like, with you can't, like, wear too much SPF where it's damaging for your skin or you're absorbing too much SPF. No. If you're in a pickle and you need to have a moisturizer at night and all you have is this SPF, you can wear that one at night. I've done it in a jam before myself. Okay. Got it. So let's talk about this melasma mustache. What is it? Okay. So melasma is really common, actually, and this is around the time that we start seeing it. What melasma is, is it's an increase in the pigmentation, so increase in the color of the skin, um, 
most commonly on the face, in fact, almost exclusively on the face, that gets worse with sun exposure, okay? So what happens is, is that when the weather gets nice, the sun comes out, um, patients will start to notice that they maybe have these kind of brown patches um, on the upper lip um, where it almost looks like a mustache, but sometimes also on the cheeks and occasionally on the forehead. So it's this increased pigment production. Um, we used to call it, actually, I don't know if you've heard this phrase, G, but the, the mask of pregnancy, does that sound, have you ever oh, heard of that yes. before? Okay, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so it's this, it's this pigmentation, and um, it's, it's in a mask distribution, which we're all quite familiar with now, so on the cheeks and kind of crossing the bridge of the nose. And we would see it a lot in pregnant women um, because of the hormone changes that happen during mm-hmm. pregnancy, and there's a lot of them. And so we would <laughs> see this combination, especially it would be much more pronounced when people were out in the sun, okay? Mm-hmm. So we also see it in patients who are not pregnant, okay? So, you know, don't panic if you see this. It doesn't necessarily mean people are pregnant. But <laughs> You're going to scare a lot of people. I know. <laughs> That's my disclaimer. Um, but we've also seen it in women who aren't pregnant and who are, don't have any underlying hormonal issues. And we also see it in women and some women who are on birth control pills. So there's a lot of different factors at play, definitely a hormonal component, um, but also the sun. And so what happens is it gets darker. The classic story is that patients will tell me it shows up in the summer or it shows up in the winter when I go on a warm vacation, it gradually fades, and then it comes back again in the summer. Okay. All now, right. how do we treat it? Mm-hmm. That's always the, the follow-up question on that. So there are two ways that I think of treating this. One is prevention, and two is actually going after that increased pigment production. So number one is exactly what we've been talking about is the sunscreen, okay? okay. And this is one of those situations where I'm going to recommend a sunscreen that has a higher SPF than 30, okay? I want every bit of sun protection I can get for my patients with this because I know that even that little bit of sun that gets through there, that's going to make their melasma worse. So the higher the number, the better. I also recommend that patients try to stay out of the sun as much as possible, wear hats, um, you know, try to stay in the shade as much as humanly possible. The second thing that you can do is you could try a bleaching cream. You've probably heard of fading creams and bleaching creams Mm -hmm. before. Yeah. So there's a few that are, there's one that's over the counter um, that contains hydroquinone 2%. So hydroquinone is the active ingredient in the bleaching creams, and it actually slows the pigment production down, okay? Okay. So when you put it on the dark spots, it actually helps them to fade. Now, there's a couple key things with this. One is if you're using it without a sunscreen, you're going out in the sun, you know, it's two steps forward, two steps back, right? So mm-hmm. you, I tend to either say strict, strict sun avoidance or just wait until the fall to use the bleaching cream just so that you can maximize the efficacy of that cream. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing with the bleaching creams is it doesn't know the difference between the dark spot and your skin right next to it. So you've got to be really careful with it. You want to make sure that you're only using it on the dark spots. I'll even ha- sometimes have people apply it with a Q-tip. Like, so put a little dot on a Q-tip, put it in the middle of that dark spot, and then just kind of feather it outward mm-hmm. so that the concentrated portion is in the center part. So the over-the-counter version is a 2% hydroquinone. It's in, um, like, Ambi Fade Cream. You've probably heard or seen that. That's yeah. by Johnson & Johnson, available at the drugstore. How do you spell um, that? I- it's um, hydroquinone. So, oh boy, you're going to make I me meant the No, I meant the actual product. You said it's made by oh, Johnson & Johnson? A, yeah, AMBI. AMBI. That okay. one's easier. Gotcha. Perfect. That's what I needed. Okay. Yeah. 
A-M-B-I, um, and they have some that are nice and oil-free, and you use it twice a day, and the order that you put it on is you wash, do your skincare regimen, apply the hydroquinone, and then your sunscreen right on top of it, okay? And then there's prescription hydroquinone as well, which is a 4%, um, and so that your doctor can prescribe, and it's um, and available in a cream. Sometimes we pair it with Retin-A or Tretinoin. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we'll actually pair it with a topical corticosteroid, again, to go after the exfoliating, the pigment production, and any inflammation that might be there. Um, That one's called Triluma, and that one is available prescription strength. Now, I have had some patients try to go online to get these bleaching agents, um, and I'm always really, really cautious about that. And the reason for that is that when you use a higher percentage of hydroquinone, Mm -hmm. you run the risk of actually causing darkening of the skin. Okay. Which is the exact opposite of what we're going for, right? So mm-hmm. um, it can cause this paradoxical reaction. And so I recommend, you know, a 4% prescription from your doctor. They can go higher, but work with your physician and your dermatologist on what makes sense for you. Dr. Kymick, I can't believe it. We are... Oh, my gosh. You can't hang out. You can't hang out for another five minutes, can you? You're yeah, busy. Can. You re- You can? Oh, great. Do you want me to? I can. Yes, I would love it because this way we can touch on, like, you know, the best products for sunburn once you do get the sunburn, and we can touch on sort of, you know, acne and other parts of your body and what we can do with that. And I know you're so busy. You're, like, full-time. You have all these jobs that you do at Northwestern, and then on top of that, you're a working mom, so we really appreciate it. So we're going to have more with Dr. Emily Kymig. She is the dermatologist at Northwestern Memorial. Hospital. She's chief of the Division of Medical Dermatology and assistant professor of dermatology at UFSM. And she is, I am learning so much and I am taking so many notes. I hope you are feeling lucky to get a little bit more time with Dr. Emily Kymig. And I'm going to spell her last name for you. It's K-E-I-M-I-G. And she's a dermatologist at Northwestern Memorial Hospital. So doctor, what if you haven't you know, you forgot, you slipped up a little bit, didn't put enough sun- sunscreen on, and you have a sunburn. What do you recommend? Well, first of all, there's no judgment here because <laughs> I have been there and more times than I care to admit, <laughs> and it happens. So I tell my patients, don't beat yourself up. It's okay. Um, what I tell patients to do is you really want to be gentle with your skin. So um, if it's just a mild sunburn, meaning it's red, it's a little bit tender, um, cool compresses can sometimes help. Sometimes you could take an anti-inflammatory if you don't have any allergies or any other medical problems. And I would check with your um, primary care doctor before you take anything like an Advil or, or ibuprofen or Tylenol. Um, but you could certainly take those um, you know, sparingly to help settle down some of that inflammation. Um, cool compresses can help. And then really just gentle skin care. So this is a time where you want want to avoid using any harsh chemicals, harsh detergents, exfoliators, because all of those things are just going to really aggravate your skin. And so I recommend things like Dove for sensitive skin soap. Um, Cetaphil has a really nice lotion cleanser. Mm-hmm. It doesn't foam up and bubble, but it, it still gets the skin clean and kind of hydrates it. Um, and CeraVe makes something similar. So you really want to baby your skin. And then moisturizer. Um, I would avoid things that have anything like salicylic acid or any, again, exfoliating type things, mm-hmm. fragrance dyes. You want less is more here. I love Vaseline. Um, it's 
it's cheap, it's easy, it's a little greasy and a little goopy, but it does the <laughs> job to kind of moisturize your skin. Um, I have a lot of patients try aloe. I have no problem with that. Um, it has a cooling sensation to it. Um, sometimes I'll even have patients pop that bottle in the fridge, um, just don't mix it up with anything else, uh, and use it then because that cooling sensation tends to help. Now, if you have a more severe sunburn and you have blisters, um, these can be really, really painful. And again, I speak from experience, um, you want to really be very gentle with the skin. I recommend that if you need to break the blister, you take a sterile needle and just poke a hole in it and drain it, but leave the roof of the blister on. And that's because it's like a natural Band-Aid, so it Ah. helps to prevent, again, infection. So if you can avoid popping the blister, that's fine. Sometimes it's unavoidable, um, but you want to leave the roof on. You don't want to peel that away because then it's kind of raw skin underneath, and that's just incredibly painful um, and takes a lot longer to heal. Okay, another question from a listener. Um, What can you do for ingrown hairs, um, shaving, whether it's on your face or the bikini area? Of course, that's happening in the summertime. Totally. Yeah, really common. It's a great question. It's one I get asked every single day in my practice. So um, a couple of things will happen. You know, when we're shaving, we're getting very close to the, to the surface of the skin, which is what we want, right, for a close mm-hmm. shave. But sometimes we can actually traumatize the skin a little bit. And then what happens is when the hair grows back, it tends to curl on itself, and then it kind of grows inward a little bit. So some of the things that I'll recommend um, are like a razor with a bump guard on it. So mm-hmm. you can find those at the drugstore. It'll say, I, I can't think of a brand off the top of my head, but it'll say bump guard on it. The other thing that I tend to recommend for patients is making sure the skin is nice and soft and warm before shaving. So whether it's the beard, the legs, the bikini area, underarm area, um, you know, doing that maybe last in the shower. So you've already been in there for a few minutes, your skin is hydrated and and warm and damp, um, and that can help. Or even using a warm washcloth and just kind of letting it sit on the area that you're going to shave. I also recommend using um, a shaving gel or a shaving cream that doesn't have a lot of fragrance, dyes, perfumes. Vino makes one for sensitive skin. Um, Kiehl's makes a really nice product, um, but also um, there are other brands that are mm-hmm. available over the counter that are easy to find. Um, and then you want to shave in the direction of hair growth, okay? So when you're shaving against the growth, right, so if the hair's growing down and you're shaving up, you do get a closer shave, but that can be more irritating. So I do recommend trying to shave in the direction of hair growth. And then afterwards, using um, just a gentle moisturizer. Um, For some of my patients, if they're getting like little infected hair follicles, um, I will prescribe a topical antibiotic. You could certainly try some benzoyl peroxide, um, but I would try those tips first because in some of those areas, the benzoyl peroxide can actually be a little bit irritating and it has peroxide, so it bleaches clothing Mm, and fabric. Gotcha. Okay, so we've got like uh, two minutes left. I wanted to ask you about expiration dates. A listener says, how do I know when my products aren't good anymore because I've spent a lot of money on them. Okay, so real quick, I'm going to talk about two families of things. One is sunscreens. So sunscreens expire after three years from the date you purchase them. So what? mark it on there when you open it, yes. Okay. And it just, they don't work. So get rid of it if it's been more than three years. If there's an expiration date on it, stick to it and pay attention to it. Get a new bottle, okay? So that's my quick thing with sunscreens. Most other products have expiration dates. Um, and one is because one, one thing that can happen is that the 
the they'll separate. So um, you know salad dressing when it sits mm-hmm. in your fridge and it separates out. The yeah. same thing can happen with your products over time. Um, and so if you're noticing that happening, throw it out. Um, and the other thing too is that bacteria can grow. The preservatives aren't as effective, and so it is really good to kind of pay attention to those dates for any medications that people are using. Um, basically, we can't guarantee that the active ingredient or the medication itself is effective past the expiration date. So you know maybe like a month after an expiration date for a topical steroid or an acne medication I think is okay, but many of these things break down over time, and so it's important to pay attention to those expiration dates. Got it. And time for one more quickly. Um, I know that uh, this is a listener whose daughter actually rides a motorcycle, so she's got the wind, she's got the mask, and then she's got the helmet strap that's all adding to like facial acne. I know that you talked about this last time, and you said salicylic acid, right? Trying a wash that has salicylic acid can help to exfoliate, um, or a wash that has benzyl peroxide, which is a little topical antibiotic, can be used. Some people are a little sensitive to the benzyl peroxide, so you could start one or the other. And then the other thing that I like is a, is a Retin-A or a Tretinoin. Now, that's a prescription, but you can try over-the-counter Adapalene, A-D-A-P-A-L-E-N-E, and it goes under the brand name of Differin. Um, and you can use a pea-sized amount for the whole face, that's true. A pea-sized amount for the whole face. Nothing bad happens if you use too much. It just dries you out too much. Um, and start there. And then if that's not helping, reach out to a primary care doctor or a board-certified dermatologist. They'd be happy to point you in the right direction. And um, do we need to worry about, worry about any other types of products on our face during the summer that we shouldn't have on? Like just as- Yeah, you know, a lot of these medications, especially the anti-aging products that have retinol, tretinoin in them, can make you more sensitive to the sun. So that's why, again, it's important to make sure you're wearing the sunscreen. Also, many of the medications that we take by mouth, some blood pressure medications, antibiotics, immunosuppressive medications, can make our skin much more sensitive to the sun. So in those situations, sunscreen, 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 or sun protective clothing. Oh, you're a wealth of information, and you are so... We love you. Thank you so much for being with us. Dr. Emily. anytime. Hi, Meg. She is a dermatologist at Northwestern Memorial Hospital. Thanks so much, Doc. Anytime. It was fun. Thanks for having me. Uh, Come back anytime. We love her here.